to be our tagline somewhere in there. Book retorts, coast to coast. Oh, if that wasn't already Space Ghost. <laughs> That's because it rhymes. You gotta have book retorts, coast to coast does not rhyme. I mean, I love to ride those coattails. It's a great show, but <laughs> <laughs> we gotta think of like book retorts from hills to forts or something. <laughs> Not bad for off the cuff, I guess. That's great. Hello and welcome to Book Retorts. I'm Sam. I'm Danielle. And this is the podcast about sharing your weird media with your friends who don't really know what you're talking about. Yay! I know. And you should be very excited today, Danielle, because I have a very special movie for you. I'm always excited, Sam. Well, I think you're more excited depending on the media than other days. (laughs) (laughs) I don't usually know what the media is from you, so... You don't know what it is today either, I guarantee that. (laughs) What is it? So, you did for me something I really appreciated a few weeks ago. You did James Bond's Die Another Day. Yes. And I really enjoyed that. So, I figured, Danielle, I should repay you with a spy movie of my own. Okay. Get excited, because this week I'm doing for you the 2003 movie, Agent Cody Banks. Okay. That's with that kid. <laughs> yes, that kid, Frankie Frank Muniz. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> Uh, yeah, yeah. I saw that. It was free on YouTube. I'm like, all right, well, I got an hour and a half to kill. Let's see if this is going to work. <laughs> good choice. Good choice. And it's one of your favorite actors, Sam. Is that true? I don't know. <laughs> you have mentioned him that he's my favorite several actor. times I mean, I before. like Frankie Muniz. I think he's a cool guy and I, and I enjoy his work in so far as I've seen Malcolm in the Middle. I was going to say, you've talked about Malcolm in the Middle quite a few times, so. I have, because I thought it was a really great show, and not just because of Frankie Muniz. You know, there was lots of really wonderful actors in a very interesting and sometimes quite dark comedy <laughs> for the time. And was this after, during Malcolm I in believe the it's after or like somewhere mid, like when he was, when it was either really popular or just after it ended. I, I don't really remember the chronology of Malcolm in the Middle and when 2003 falls into that window. So somebody out there can tell me. <laughs> <laughs> okay. But I can't tell you. If you don't know, I don't know. He's your favorite actor. All right. <laughs> Let's not start rumors. Anyway, let me send you the description of this movie. And this description is quite thorough, but don't let that lead you to believe there isn't still a lot to discuss <laughs> in this movie. Okay. It says, to his family and friends, Cody Bakes, Frankie Muniz, is a typical teen. He loves to skateboard, hates math, and feels like a complete idiot around girls. But Cody's got a secret. He's actually part of a secret teen CIA program. You know, those really common secret teen <laughs> CIA programs. You know, I have thoughts on this program. <laughs> Cody's living every boy's dream life. He can drive like a stuntman, has an incredible arsenal of cool gadgets, and his agency mentor, Ronica Miles, Angie Harmon, is totally hot. But Cody's training (laughs) is put to the test when he's set to pose as a prep school student and befriend fellow teen Natalie Connors, Hillary Duff. Yay, Hillary Duff. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) I didn't know she was in this. team. In order to gain access to her father, a scientific sci- uh, scientist unknowingly developing a fleet of deadly nanobots for the evil organization Eris, Eris. Eris from runaway cars and high-speed snowboard chases to a spectacular final mountaintop. This is the longest summary in the entire world. I told world. you it was thorough. 
to a spectacular final mountaintop showdown, Cody has to use everything he's learned to prove himself as an agent and stop Eris, and maybe even get the girl. Yeah. So, I guess we really don't need to do- No, we're going to do this <laughs> That movie. was like the beginning to the end of that movie. I know. It covered everything. And yet, like I said, there's still going to be a lot to discuss, <laughs> not least of which is the CIA's competence. <laughs> But first, before we dive into this movie, I actually have a favor to ask of you, Danielle. I need your help with something. Uh-oh. So you know that the evil organization is Eris, right? And that's clearly an acronym because every evil organization in every spy movie has to be an acronym, right? Of course, always. But here's the thing. They never tell you what that stands for in the movie. Okay. So I need for you, Danielle, to tell me what does Eris stand for? Um, let's see. I know. I'm putting you on the spot here. <laughs> But I need to know. Electric Robot Improvement System. <laughs> Perfect. Love it. Electric Robot Improvement System. Evil Organization, the Electric Robot Improvement System. <laughs> Sounds more like a product from some tech startup, but you know what? Either way, I personally would have gone for evil. With oh, e, but that's evil me. Robot. That's better. Evil Robot be improvement system. <laughs> You're really stuck on that improvement system. <laughs> well, it sounds like it's a good thing, but in reality, it's clearly evil because they have nanobots. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so the whole organization is named after those nanobots. <laughs> Maybe that's all they deal with, Sam, is robotic technology. Honestly, that might be the case. I have no idea what <laughs> happens in this movie. But thank you, Danielle. You know how much I love acronyms, and I just hate having an acronym that I don't know what it stands for. So thank you for creating the... Uh, Evil slash, I, I forgot already what it stood for before <laughs> you said first. <laughs> I don't remember. <laughs> yeah, okay. Whatever it was, the robot improvement system. <laughs> Perfect. All right, we've got it. Let's do this. All right, so let's get on to Agent Cody Banks. We open on Seattle. It's 6.59 a.m. as the title says on the screen. It's a residential street. Papers are being tossed from the back of a truck. And then we cut inside. An alarm goes off. Frankie Munez, Cody, gets up wipes the sleep from his eyes, and then does a karate pose like he's being attacked, <laughs> and then acts like a little embarrassed that he did the karate pose. He's like, oh, you did that again, Frankie. I have a question. Already, Already, let's do this. yeah. Does he have a code name or does he go by his normal name like James Bond may or may not oh, do? Oh, it's absolutely just Cody Banks. <laughs> <laughs> so that's his, both his spy name and his real name. And that's his real name. And then just don't bother to change it when he's a spy. Fabulous. All right. That's my question. It follows the James Bond tradition <laughs> and also, again, calls into question the competence of these spy organizations. Very questionable. So we cut to the kitchen table where his parents and his little brother are doing breakfast. His younger brother asks his dad for more money for his girlfriend and brags about having had twice as many dates as his 15-year-old brother, Cody is unimpressed. <laughs> Man, this movie is really leaning into its action tropes from the very start. It is. I guarantee you there's a lot of movie before the action actually happens. Before he's actually a super agent. Right. yeah. It's like a Bond movie open with him just like doing office work for half an hour. I mean, we never see him doing the paperwork that he supposedly probably has to do as a spy. Yeah, because no one cares, Danielle. <laughs> Do you want to sit there and watch James Bond fill out paperwork for, you know, an hour? I mean, kind of. It'd be a little funny. Not for an hour, but for the first, like, ten minutes, just watching him have to, like... I guess it would be kind of an interesting, like, art house thing in a way, but I would still be like, that's not going to fly. I think it would have comedy value. <laughs> yeah, okay, sure. Well, next time you make a Bond movie, Daniel, you can do that. On it. Excellent. I, lo I look forward to seeing that. So, Cody's about to leave for school when his mom reminds him to clean out the guinea pig cages because they're full of poop, and I'm like, alright, cool. I, I guess we're starting this out as just, like, a slice of life 
life teen comedy. Well, yeah, you have to establish what his normal life is like before he's a secret agent. Well, but he's already a secret agent. Yeah, but you have to have the like the dichotomy of his normal life versus his spy life. Sam. I know, but I'm just like. I miss, like, in James Bond movies when they had that cold open where it's just some weird action sequence out of context <laughs> to get you all revved up. <laughs> but where's he established as Cody Banks' secret agent and then we see him doing his normal life? Well, maybe it's supposed to be a surprise, like a plot twist, except we know it because we read the summary. And the title of the movie is Agent Cody Banks. Well, you don't know if he's an agent already <laughs> or if he becomes an agent, Sam, until you get <laughs> Well, he far. did the karate move when he got up that Maybe morning. he was just being a normal teenage boy. I don't know. I was never a teenage boy. Sam, did you do karate moves when you <laughs> Fifteen. I can honestly say I never woke up and the first thing I did when I got up bed was do a karate move. I bet you a million dollars there are some listeners out there that have definitely oh, done I'm not going to take that back because you're probably moves. right, Danielle. I just don't know how normal or common that is. I think it's pretty normal. Okay. Okay. Fine. T- take a poll. Make another Twitter poll about this. <laughs> Okay. Anyway, clearly I would have done this movie differently, but then again, it made bank. So what do I know? It made bank. <laughs> You like that Can one? Make Cody Bank. <laughs> yeah, you got it. And it has a sequel. <laughs> really? Yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, neither did I. <laughs> Is it direct to home video? Uh, I have no idea. I didn't. I didn't look that closely into it, but I would definitely watch it. Maybe. Does so. it still have Frankie Muniz and Hilary Duff in it? Yes. Really? Yes. Oh, color me impressed. All right. Well, <laughs> continue on. Sorry. All right. So we cut now to a blonde woman getting out of a car as Cody skates past on a skateboard because he's a cool dude and this is the early 2000s. That's what cool dudes did in the early 2000s. So the lady leaves her baby in the car to go drop something off at a mailbox and of course the child gets up and accidentally releases the parking brake and then somehow puts the car in neutral also. <laughs> and then locks the doors. Like this that kid is making a break Toddlers. <laughs> It's barely, it's like, it's barely a toddler. This kid is super young. And the car starts rolling away as the woman screams, oh no. How did it get out of its car seat? She clearly didn't strap it in very well. <laughs> or this Ooh. baby is an amazing escape artist who just like, <laughs> I'm going to take my opportunity now to drive this car. It's like those dogs that no matter how you pen them in, somehow manage to get out. Yeah, yeah, exactly. The Houdini of children in car seats, I guess. <laughs> we had a dog once, so you had to, we actually had to do a lock on the gate that required opposable thumbs because she was such an escape artist. It did not matter what you put on there. She'd knock it out and get out. Oh, I'm glad you outsmarted that dog, Danielle. It's intense. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay, great. Uh, uh, thank you for sharing. Yeah, no problem. <laughs> <laughs> Back to this movie. Cody looks up, rock music starts playing, and I'm talking about like 2000s punk pop rock. I, I, I actually didn't look up what the music was, but it sounds <laughs> like your average Blink-182 whatever kind of Green Day style stuff. The best part of the 2000s. Yeah, I know. It's great. It's, it's actually really fun. And so he then starts skating after the car as it rolls away, straight into action mode. And that car is cruising. Like, <laughs> Seattle doesn't have that many hills. It's not San Francisco. But that car, without any power, apparently, goes in a straight line and just keeps going forever. And I am super impressed by this magic car that <laughs> simply will not veer off and, like, hit a curb or anything. <laughs> It's pretty impressive because if you let go of a steering wheel, cars tend to like move pretty quickly yeah, one side or the other. They do. But, and this might be the movie's explanation. I wasn't sure how much of this was actually like supposed to be affecting things, but the kid is holding the steering wheel while this is happening. Well, yeah, of course. This baby's going to grow up to be like a race car driver or something. But the point is with the power steering off, I don't know like if the little baby arms have enough leverage <laughs> to turn the wheel. You've thought about this a little too much. That's my job, Danielle. That's what I do. 
anyway, so Cody catches up to the car and he grabs onto it and he's like skating behind it trying to pull himself in and he grabs the door handle, but it's locked because again, the kid is determined to take this ride for all it's worth. <laughs> and then the car makes like a turn or something. So again, either on its own or this kid is super good at driving already. <laughs> and Cody loses hold of the car and is forced through a construction zone because of course. Of course. And so he like does the skateboarding through a pipe kind of thing and all that kind of stuff. Comes at the other end of the construction zone and just happens to be in front of the car now. Oh, good. Which is now pushing him on his skateboard. That was convenient. I know. Super lucky. So the car is now hurtling down a street towards a railroad crossing and the gate lowers as a train starts barreling across. Oh no! More danger! As if the kid in the runaway car wasn't enough. <laughs> So Cody climbs onto the car up through the sunroof, pulls the emergency brake. The car skids to a stop just before it reaches the train. He quips something about, stick to tricycles, kid, and then sneaks away with a smirk on his face. Oh, good. I was really worried about that baby. Uh, I don't think you should have been. He <laughs> clearly had a good handle on the situation. So where's the mom in all of this? Because now the mom's uh, running like, behind the car screaming still or something. She's like, like miles away. Like, opens the door. And he just leaves her there and it's like... Bye, kid. <laughs> the mom is actually right there, which is impressive because she was literally running as fast as a runaway car. So good for her. <laughs> I call shenanigans on that. Oh, you think? The whole thing is shenanigans. But I think the most unbelievable part is that the mom is right there. Yeah. Okay. That was a lot about the construction zone and then getting in front of the car or the car not crashing immediately <laughs> is pretty unbelievable. <laughs> So that kid was either driving the car and is very talented or very lucky. I think the story should follow this child who apparently has amazing abilities to drive cars. I mean, there would be an amazing biopics about a <laughs> race car driver. Like from an early age, Chester loved driving. He would joyride in his mom's car when he was two. <laughs> anyway, so one of the best parts about this scene is as Cody is skating, where you just see like wrecked cars everywhere that were swerving out of the way and like crashing the lamppost. And stuff. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, there's a lot of carnage from this thing and Cody is unperturbed by this. He just does not too bad. As long as the baby's okay. Yeah, pretty much. It's probably like several other dead people, but they don't matter. <laughs> it's like every day Batman comes through a town in a car chase scene. Exactly. All right. So cut now to Hong Kong. A title scrolls across the screen says Eris Headquarters. What is Eris? We'll never find out until you, Danielle, told me what it was. <laughs> evil so thank you. robotic informational system or something. Improvement system, Danielle. Improvement system. <laughs> Improvement system. I can't even remember my own acronym. Uh, well, you won't have to because the movie doesn't say anything different. So whatever you come up with is probably right. So someone with a British accent, because of course the evil person is British. Uh, yeah, because of the Revolutionary War. Yeah, and Star Wars and things. <laughs> It's actually Ian McShane. Oh. Yeah, Ian McShane is our is our big bad. He is saying, Dr. Connors, we've given you a lot of money. We expect results. And this person, Dr. Brinkman, is probably my favorite character in the movie because he is just A, hamming it up. Uh -huh. And B, is very sassy, which <laughs> I love. And C, is like the most cliche villain. Like He says everything that you would expect a villain to say. <laughs> We expect results and things like that. And I'm just like, oh, Dr. Brinkman, you know the way to my heart. <laughs> so Dr. Connors leaves a group of people, like just some random heiress people. I don't know who any of these people are, but they all look evil. <laughs> that look like exactly, Sam? It's an evil well, person I mean, look like. It looks like a UN, <laughs> like a model UN thing. We have a bunch of people in different like garb. Like you get people in native outfits for India. You have people in turbans. I'm like, all right, movie. It just feels very much like your classic, oh, they're all foreign, so they're all evil kind of thing. Oh, 
that was quite the choice that they made in 2000 or whatever. Well, these people never appear again in the entire movie, so they don't matter at all. There's background decoration in this one scene. So anyway, Dr. Connors leads this group up to a model and demonstrates an oil spill. Hey, look, this tanker sprung a leak. Oh, no. And then he releases his nanobot, which clean up all the goop. They eat it, as he says, like magic. See, evil robot improvement system, Sam. Are those robots being improved? They're improving things. All right. Well, you got me there, Danielle. (laughs) You made fun of it, but it totally works. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, that'd be a good name for the product, Danielle. Maybe not for the organization that existed, you know, before the product. Do we have any proof that they have anything other than these nanobots? No. (laughs) (laughs) You hate that I'm right, but I am. Uh, You're as right as you can be in this movie. The movie gives you so little about the organization, you could literally say anything and probably still be right. (laughs) I'm going to take it. Good job, Danielle. Uh, You know what? You've earned that one, Danielle. I'll give it to you. (laughs) So the sensor group all compliments. I'm like, oh, yes, very impressive, very impressive. And then Dr. Brinkman inquires about if the nanobots could break down other things like inorganic materials or organic materials, like you know, bodies. nothing sinister. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. And Dr. Connor's like, yeah, they can pretty much break down anything if you want them to. That's not a deadly weapon or anything. I know. You think that Dr. Connors would be like, uh, yeah, but why would you want that? She's like, no, yeah, of course. If you want them to destroy anything, you could do that. And then Dr. Brinkman says, well, Dr. Connors, you have 10 days. And Connors is aghast at this. He's like, 10 days? That's not enough time. And I'm like, 10 days for what? What do you want them to do? <laughs> They'll tell you later, Sam, or not. They don't. They don't <laughs> tell you. They just say you have 10 days and that's the end of the scene. <laughs> then I don't know what to tell you. I guess you'll find out. When Does this show go over 10 days? <laughs> The movie? Yeah. Yeah, I think so. I don't know. It's got a timeline (laughs) that I cannot figure out. (laughs) 10 days to get the nanobot technology together, I guess. I think he means 10 days to like reprogram them so they can eat more than oil or something or make more of them. That's very veiled. It's never clear. (laughs) He just says, you have 10 days. And Dr. Khan's like, okay, I know exactly what you want me to do, but it's going to take more than 10 days. It's, It's crazy. Maybe they're psychically linked. That's your thing recently, isn't it, Daniel? <laughs> yeah, Everything's so I was psychically just thinking, linked. I'm like, wait, I think I thought the people in the dragon movie were psychically linked too. <laughs> you did? You had the, the, the people in your Madden Langle book were psychically linked to their dolphin or whatever. I mean, to be fair, she has a book about being psychically linked to your dolphins. <laughs> I'm not saying these things don't exist, you know, but I'm saying you have a pattern. <laughs> well, it explains a lot in books and movies. <laughs> All right, well, let's just go it with it. explains like, like every character in every book or movie ever just seems to know things that nobody else knows. I can't argue with that, Danielle. It does solve a problem, like our theory that all actors in TV shows are actually androids, which is why they don't behave like humans. Thinking of that as well. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, some guards lead away Dr. Connors despite his protestations, and then the evil leader's henchman, whose name is Francois. Of course it is. Great. He's great. I love him. He's a big buff guy with a mohawk. And he says the classic, he still has no idea what we hope to achieve. <laughs> and I'm like, all right, movie, you're really going hard on this. I love Does it. Does he laugh maniacally after that? No, there's no evil laughter. I'm really disappointed by that. That seems like a shame. All right. Now we cut to some generic boardroom, government-looking boardroom, like out of Dr. Strangelove or something, except it's not a round table. It's a linear table. It's the CIA headquarters that's apparently in Seattle. <laughs> Is it? <laughs> I don't think so. I think it's in Langley or something. I don't know. Honestly, I don't know where it is, but... Maybe it's the Seattle branch. Yeah. Well, the director of the CIA is there, apparently, in Seattle. <laughs> He's visiting. Visiting one of the many branches. Just visiting. <laughs> he wanted to get some Starbucks, get it from the source. <laughs> 
And there's a briefing going on on Dr. Connors and how his robots could be used to destroy anything. Basically, what we just learned in the previous scene. But the last person who was their mole was compromised. Uh-oh. So there's this video transmission of this guy. He's like, they're on to me. Don't send any more agents. They've all been compromised. And then he's burst in on and he's like killed, presumably, uh, as the transmission cuts yeah, out. It's a little dark. And so apparently they're like, well, it's too dangerous to send any more agents to infiltrate Eris. So that's cool. But they did learn that Dr. Brinkman is the name of the evil guy because they didn't mention that until this point in the movie. <laughs> Just in case it wasn't clear. It wasn't clear. They never mentioned the guy's name until now <laughs> that his name was Dr. Brinkman. I had to go back and edit my notes to put his name there so I could keep track of who was who. <laughs> That was funny because I actually will stop a movie and look it up online so that I can get their name. <laughs> yeah, yeah, because otherwise you're referring to that guy or that evil guy. <laughs> you're like, evil guy says. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So the CIA director wants to know more, but apparently Connors has become reclusive, only interacting with the outside world through his daughter, Natalie Hillary Duff, and apparently also appearing in rooms with lots of people to demonstrate his nanobots in Hong Kong. So I don't know how reclusive he actually is. I was just thinking that I, for some reason, did not at all expect that Hillary Duff was going to be the daughter of that guy. Although it explicitly said so. Even though it says the, Natalie yeah. Connors. <laughs> And then it says they're trying to get to his. But yeah, I don't know. I just father, didn't like, connect all the dots. I was just reading it, and I got sidetracked by the idea that Hillary Duff was in this movie. <laughs> <laughs> I can always count you to pay attention, didn't you? That's <laughs> when he said that. I was like, "Oh, that's a cool plot twist." <laughs> twist. <laughs> So apparently the reclusive but not very reclusive Dr. Connors cannot be reached by the CIA even though they know where he lives and they know about his daughter and they apparently have the resources to know all this stuff. Either way, the director suggests getting to Connors through his daughter, smart. This leads to the discussion about the CIA recruiting teens or tweens and training them at a fake summer camp started two years ago to make the junior agent pipeline, oh, basically. Okay, questions? Yes, absolutely. <laughs> there are going to be so many questions about this pipeline. Do the children, once they get there, realize that they're being trained for the CIA? Okay, so this is how they show it in like the video clip. I don't know if they're actually being shown that in the CIA or if it's just a cutaway for the audience, but it says like agents who have identified a promising candidate approach them and recruit them. And so the kids know that they're going to a fake summer camp for spy training. The parents never made aware. And we are assuming that tweens, so what, ages of 12 to 18, yeah, uh, are going to keep this from their parents. Oh my gosh, Danielle, this is just the start of the problems with this program. <laughs> First off, terrible idea. Yeah, well, Ethically, I mean, I wasn't just- even going to get into the fact that they're trying to recruit teenagers for the CIA, but... <laughs> I did not realize how much this plot reminded me of the movie Toys, and th- that guy's plan to use children as pilots for their military murder drones. <laughs> but that's the thing, apparently, in these movies about using kids as government agents in ways they should not be used. Well, yeah, another Ender's Game. It is, uh, yes, I guess, Ender's Game too, Danielle. <laughs> it's, it's a common thing, that's what I'm saying. But it seems to me that recruiting teens and tweens would not be the best candidate for all the reasons you described, Mm -hmm. that keeping secrets, probably not the best idea. Their impulse control, also not great. And so giving them access to deadly weapons and government resources with impulse control of tweens and teens is not a good idea, given that even full-grown adults often abuse surveillance and intelligence systems for creepy and or dumb reasons. And you can't convince me that a 15-year-old would not use the those same tools for creepy and or dumb reasons. <laughs> Danielle, I don't have to give it to you about that because it actually happens in this movie. See? Like, that was a given. <laughs> I don't know why anybody would be surprised. <laughs> 
It's so bad. It's such a dumb program. And you know I love a dumb plan in a movie, Daniel. <laughs> which is why we're here. And I can't wait to get into the more details about this. But here's their plan. One of the generals at the table objects to this. Is like, hey, is this a, is this a good idea using kids? <laughs> and he is assured that they don't operate alone. They always have a handler because it would be irresponsible to let these kids just be alone with government resources, which is not much more responsible giving them a handler, but at least fine. I'd say it's irresponsible having a program for teenagers to join the CIA. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to get to that, but yes, exactly. <laughs> so the chosen agent is, of course, Cody Banks. Of course. It would have been funny, though, if it was somebody else. <laughs> <laughs> you always love it when they fake you out about who the actual main character is. <laughs> be pretty funny, though. Yes. That should happen more. But then if it happened more, it wouldn't be as surprising or funny. That's true. And so now we cut to Cody Banks in class, failing to talk to a girl. He's like stammering, being super awkward. I get it, Cody been there <laughs> and then he's being teased by the basketball team which he is on they're like they cut to the locker room like it's later that day after he's shot down and the basketball team is like making fun of his inability to talk to girls but he's on the basketball team so i'm like are they his friends ribbing him or are they just jerks I'm just gonna and ask you it, that it was like is it like they're it's not very friendly they seem like jerks <laughs> poor kid anyway at this point a woman bursts into the locker room just like kicks open a door that leads to the outside like an exit door just opens the door and walks That's in choice uh yeah just i don't know about just bursting into a locker room of teenage boys just seems not okay <laughs> on many levels so many levels and as she walks in she's like in this tight leather thing and she is way overdressed you know heels dressed in the nines lots of cleavage showing all the boys are like wolf whistling at her and start hitting on her. Classy. And I'm like, this is not okay. None of this is okay. She's clearly an adult and these are children. <laughs> and she goes to Cody and says, hey, Cody, you need to come with me. And everyone's like, hey, why do you want to go with Cody? Don't you want to spend some time with me, sweetheart? Or things like that. I don't remember the exact lines, but it's basically that kind of thing. These are some really uh, interesting teenage boys. <laughs> Yeah, no, they are sexually harassing this woman strongly, and I am very uncomfortable with it. <laughs> and so she rips a towel off of one of the kids. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> Luckily, he is wearing tidy whities underneath that, yeah. which we see briefly. Doesn't matter. Not appropriate. Doesn't matter. <laughs> Not okay. And then another kid's like, if you like removing towels, maybe you should take mine off or something like oh, that. Oh, no. Why? Why is this movie doing so many weird things? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And then she takes the towel she ripped off the other kid, makes a rat tail, and just starts whipping the one who just came onto her. Oh, no. So there's adult woman burst uninvited into a public school boys locker room took the towel off of a child and started whipping another child with it <laughs> that's what's happening in this scene <laughs> Yeah, I'll tell you in trouble. <laughs> I, a lot. I mean, no, it's not okay that the kids are sexually harassing her. No, That's not okay. Not. But none of this is okay. Nobody in this situation is doing anything responsible. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. There'll be no repercussions. It doesn't matter. No, there are no repercussions. It is ludicrous. <laughs> So again, she invites Cody to come with her, and he's confused. She's like, who are you, strange woman? Why should I come with you? Legitimate questions, Cody. Good man. <laughs> and so then she says, Mary had a little lamb as a code word. And then they exchange a few more nursery rhymes. And then Cody's like, okay. And he gets all excited. And then as they're walking out, she says, this is what you get when you have kids make up code phrases. <laughs> just out loud that everybody hears. So everyone hears them just Say nursery rhymes back and forth, and then she <laughs> laments about the code phrases, and they leave. And I'm like, are you CIA or what? Like, what is going on here? 
How is, this is like the worst, the least clandestine operation ever. Like everyone in that locker room knows exactly what's happening and can, and can totally pinpoint what, like when they tell their parents that a strange woman burst into the locker room, whipped them after being <laughs> weirdly sexualized and then took uh, one of the kids away with her after saying weird code phrases. Everyone's going to know what's happening. There's going to be an investigation. Will, this is. Will anybody actually believe all that? <laughs> I mean, I would say yes. I mean, if my child told me that a woman burst into the locker room there were uh, you know 15 witnesses that said the same thing you but at least look into it <laughs> anyway the cia is so dumb in this movie they do things like this it's worse than mi6 and james bonding i'm sorry <laughs> That's okay. We need different levels of stupidity on uh, about government agencies. And to clarify, just as an aside, because if you haven't listened to this podcast a lot, you might not remember me saying this, but I know this is a kid's movie, really, and this is just all about like fun and it's just goofs or whatnot, and I may be overanalyzing and <laughs> thinking too critically about it, but that's the show, so I'm sorry. <laughs> I get it. I get it. I mean to kill Joy, but that's kind of, the, that's kind of our shtick. All right, so I'm sorry. You're that's... ruining Cody Banks. <laughs> I know, I'm sorry. I, I'm not saying it's a bad film. I had a lot of fun with it, but this in particular made me very upset. <laughs> that's fair, Sam. That's fair. Anyway, this woman, Ronica, short for Veronica, which she is never called, only Ronica, so I don't know why they had to tell us that. So her name is Veronica, but they call her Ronica? Exclusively. That's a choice. Okay. <laughs> yeah. It's not a whole lot shorter. <laughs> Usually it's like Ronnie. Color Ronnie or Ver. 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 <laughs> you know all those Vers that are running around. Yo, Ver. I'm sure there is a Ver somewhere from Veronica. That's a great nickname. I'm fine with it. I think Ronnie's a cute nickname for Veronica. Ronnie would be good. Veronica is a little cumbersome. <laughs> it is. You might as well just say Veronica. So she takes Cody to the CIA facility, which is apparently, again, in Seattle, which I realized at this moment, because they just fly on a helicopter over Seattle and then they're at the CIA facility. Maybe that was their budget, Sam. They only only had the budget for Seattle. Well, they have the budget for Seattle and some really bad green screen later. So. Excellent. <laughs> so she is not pleased to be babysitting. She's like, I can't believe I have this assignment. I have to be babysitting a kid. But Cody's just excited to be there. He's just like super stoked. He is hopped up on his adrenaline. He's like, oh yeah, I gotta be a spy. I'm awesome. This is what I've like been dreaming about. So apparently the CIA program, they train all these kids as spies, just send them home until they have to activate them later That's at some random time. Seems like a terrible idea. <laughs> It's a terrible idea. Like, they don't even have people watching them. Like, they don't have handlers before that. Like, he didn't know this was his handler, that he was getting a handler. So when they're just spy trained and living at home, there's nobody monitoring them, apparently. And you're hoping that these kids remembered their lessons from summer school? (laughs) That, or that they're using their abilities responsibly. They're not just going around karate chopping people at random or being irresponsible kids or something. There's 100% some 13-year-old who's wandering around karate chopping people at random. We went to CIA yeah, camp. no, duh. <laughs> you basically make these kids spies, give them no supervision until you need them for an assignment, and then you super, like, no, that's not how children work. <laughs> you don't provide supervision only when you need them to do something for you. <laughs> this is the most questionable CIA program ever. And the CIA has done some very questionable things. I mean, okay, maybe not ever, because they've done some awful things in the past, but I'm, I'm still calling this one as one of the dumber ones. <laughs> Anyway, Cody wanders off for a moment. He's apprehended by a guard, very reasonably, who's like, hey, kid, what are you doing here? This is a closed facility. There's no school tours going on. And Cody's like, I'm an agent. And the guard's like, uh, no, you're not. (laughs) Because, duh. (laughs) They didn't give him a badge or anything. He's like, oh, I just came from basketball practice. Made off my badge and my other clothes in my locker, is what he says. So they do have a badge. Yeah. They're supposed to carry around all the time as children. I guess. Just in case. Just in case. <laughs> For the Seattle facility in case they get called up. 
I have no idea. Though. Maybe they can like use it to get out speeding tickets or something. <laughs> yeah, what's the badge? I don't understand this badge concept. Like, what does the badge allow? It just identifies you as a spy. <laughs> so I guess it's a really terrible idea because the whole point of being a spy is that no one knows you're a spy. And then your badge is in like your sock drawer and your mom comes in to like do your laundry and is like, why is there a CIA badge in here? <laughs> <laughs> There's no way this program isn't immediately uncovered the second those kids leave from the first day of training. Okay, and, okay I have another question. Sorry, I just thought of okay. legality-wise. Oh, oh 100% <laughs> okay. illegal. Without parent, the parents, there's no parental like... permission. They're minors. There's no way. But again, the CIA has done some really questionably legal things like, you know, in the past. We haven't talked about the Iran-Contra affair for one. So yes. I don't think legality has stopped the CIA before. It's not, but just like, it seems like a lot of suing that could get done. <laughs> no, the government is 100% getting the pantsuit off of it. This is this is the worst conceit for I don't know how this got greenlit, but whoever did that should be fired. <laughs> The one thing is the parents signed the paperwork or something. I mean, that's still bad, but at least they're, like, aware. No, this is just the worst conceived program ever. Okay. Can't believe that took me that long to think of that. (laughs) I was going to mention that later, but yeah, you got there. (laughs) So anyway, this guard, very reasonably, is like, you're coming with me, kid, because you should not be here. Like, that guard is the one person in this movie who is acting like a human being should act. (laughs) But then Ronica and the director walk up, and the director starts berating the guard, like, do you know who this kid is? He's the most important kid in America! And just starts yelling, like, how was he supposed to know that? He's just some random child in the CIA complex. Like, like, give this kid a medal for at least doing his job. He's like, I'm sorry, sir. I'm sorry that I was being a responsible guard apprehending a child wandering around the halls of the CIA. Yeah, I think you'd have an argument. No, but the director is just not having it and berates him. And then, you know, Cody gets his little insufferable smirk on his face and is like, haha told you. But a punk. So the director is all chummy chummy with Banks. And again, I can't believe this is the plan they're going with. So their plan, again, to reiterate, is to take an untested child agent, put him into a prep school with the target girl so he can get a date with her or get close to her. I'll get into the details in a second. So they can get to her father, right? Right. Why not use literally any other agent who was an adult and could get to her father because they know where he lives. They know his child. Like, they could just ask her to pass him a note. Yeah, I have no idea. It's a terrible, like, terrible plan. They could just show up at his house and, like, knock on the door. Right. Let me give you this briefing here, and it'll further explain why this is a terrible plan. So, first, they're about to give Cody a briefing on the nanobots. It's like, okay, here's a background on nanobots, and then Cody apparently just already knows everything about nanobots. He starts spewing all these facts and techno battle about them. They're like, they're made of this, and they're made of that, and they can do this, and they do it. Like, he already knows about this, even though, apparently, Dr. Connors just invented them. I was gonna say, isn't this secret technology? Right. So, how does this kid know everything about nanobots? I mean, maybe he has access to the CIA database, but he's, like, getting regular briefings in his home life on CIA undercover operations what's going on here <laughs> so they go in to introduce natalie as the target of the mission and cody is suddenly uh, very uncomfortable because it's a girl oh no life's so hard i know so the plan is as i said he's been enrolled in all of her classes in private school her father again who was supposed to be reclusive is throwing her a birthday party at their mansion in a few weeks and cody needs to be invited to the birthday you're party. right this is the least reclusive recluse in the entire world right he's throwing a public birthday like not public but like a birthday party with a bunch of kids at their house like hey he's gonna be there chumming up with his daughter and her friend like this is not a recluse you could just go and talk to him he is not a problem i don't know why you're tapping cody banks for this send him an email i don't know do something 
But that's the whole plan. The whole plan is just to have Cody to get asked out by this girl and to go to her birthday party. So he doesn't even actually need to be asked out by her. He could just become friends with her. No, exactly. But somehow this translates into him needing to be her boyfriend. Like That's the plan. It's a beard boyfriend, so she'll invite to the party instead of, I don't know, just inviting him to the party. Yeah, you could just be friendly enough that she'd invite you. Yeah, yeah. But the, somehow this they just leapfrog that very rational idea. Uh, rational as far as this plan can be <laughs> rational. And I just, I, I wrote my notes. I hate this plan. There has to be a better way to get to the birthday party. Like <laughs> Just like showing up at the birthday party. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, I don't know, be a caterer at the birthday party. Slip an agent in as a caterer or something. Bring pizza to the birthday party. <laughs> Yeah, whatever. Like, no, you'll see this birthday party is huge. There's caterers, there's entertainment. It's a big thing. I won't spoil it, but we'll get to that. And every time I learn more about this world, everybody's plan makes less sense. (laughs) (laughs) So anyway, that's their plan. Get Cody Banks to be friendly with this girl so he can get to the birthday party instead of, I don't know, getting there literally any other way. (laughs) That's because you have Frankie Muniz and Hilary Duff. You want them to be together. I mean, I know the movie reason for it, Danielle. But again, we're here to talk about the practicality of that and to destroy the sense of wonder and suspension of disbelief we all share (laughs) when watching movies. Destroy the fun that you have watching this movie. Yeah, pretty much. No, I mean, I still had fun watching it. I, I enjoy the weird conversations we get into about the practicality of the insane plots we share. Is Hilary Duff coming up soon? I'm really in it for her. Uh, Yeah, almost immediately after this. Perfect. All right, continue on. This movie spends so much time, all like the school stuff and the spy stuff is like shoved into the last 30 minutes of the movie. <laughs> all right, so before we get to Hilary Duff, first he has to have his Q-like gadget scene where he gets outfitted. Hey, we like Q. We do, but it's not Q because copyright, but... (laughs) Is it R? (laughs) No no name is given. At least they give a name, but I probably immediately forgot it because I don't care. So Cody is given a pair of sunglasses that have a telephoto lens and also low penetration x-rays, which he immediately uses to spy on his handler, Ronica, naked. (laughs) I was going to say, you're literally going to use that for x-ray vision. They give him the glasses, he puts them on, he starts leering at Ronica, and they take them off him, but they still let him keep the glasses. Like, Wow. (laughs) Perfect. He's the hero, need I remind you, and he is sexualizing his much older superior officer in the CIA. Well, what? She was totally hot. Didn't they say that in the summary, Sam? This is why you don't give teenagers access to this kind of technology. <laughs> to anything, most really. people, frankly. Yeah. I was a teenage boy, Danielle. I know. I would have abused the heck out of those glasses, too. <laughs> so next, he's given a very fancy cell phone, which looks like an N-Gage, if you remember those. Uh-huh. But it has a holographic display that's just above it. For some reason, this is more practical than any other kind of screen. <laughs> and he's given a watch with a little button that will incapacitate people. It's like a taser button on the watch. That's handy. Sure. Give a kid a taser. What could go wrong? <laughs> and then they just give him $1,000 in cash. That seems like bad idea. <laughs> and Cody asks, what's this for? And the guy says, I guess people buy things with it. I don't know. I'm like, what? <laughs> That's the entire direction. Like, you're not telling me, like, this is for your expenses to buy you, a, uh, you know, clothing for the prep school <laughs> or whatever. No, they're like, here's thousand bucks. Go nuts, kid. <laughs> and I get this is wish fulfillment from a team perspective, but bonkers. <laughs> Cody then tries to get the fancy spy car, but they won't give it to him. Instead, they give him a BMW branded skateboard. <laughs> Because that's innocuous. <laughs> that'll, that'll fly under the radar when he's at school. Well, it's prep school. Maybe they all have BMW skateboards, Sam. If there exists BMW skateboards, I kind of want to see those. I bet you 
BMW skateboards existed. Probably. You know what? You're probably right. They probably licensed it to somebody. Yes, I feel I feel like it would. All right. All right. So Cody Banks is now an agent, officially an activated agent. We cut back to Cody at home where he tells his parents he's going to a new prep school. <laughs> as, as you do, tell your parents, like, by the way, I'm going to go to a different school tomorrow. <laughs> yeah, exactly right. And they're like very confused. Like, did, did we apply to this school? I don't remember. I found any paperwork for this. He's like, no, I got a scholarship. And he's like, very, God, I'm just going to the school. It's not a big deal. <laughs> I, you feel like I got a scholarship. Get off my case. He's like, sorry, he's acting very much in that teenager kind of sulky, dismissive way. And it just feels very like I want to punch him. <laughs> And just sort of weird. Like, it's not the way to, like, pull one over on your parents is to be kind of a jerk to them. Yeah, I guess you could have approached that differently. Like, I really want to go to the school and I applied for a scholarship and I got in. I didn't want to tell yeah. you about it until I, you know, knew I could afford it to go. And So just to emphasize this, at one point his mom asked, and this is a crazy question for her to ask. She asked, why would they want you? <laughs> Ouch. Which, Ouch. <laughs> From your mother. Maybe that's why he's so obnoxious to his parents. I mean, be, yeah, his parents are kind of jerks him too. It seems to be a vicious cycle. <laughs> <laughs> and his answer for this is diversity. 5% of the kids need to be normal. And I kind of hate Cody in this moment. I'm like, oof, that's not good, dude. You're Not only are you like disparaging diversity, but you're like claiming you're normal. Like, ugh, it's just, there's a lot of bad implications in that sentence. <laughs> His dad is like, no, we're not letting you go unless we meet an administrator or somebody. And then ding dong, who's at the door? It's Ronica. The administrator. She is the dean of admissions at this preparatory school, apparently. Does she rip towels off people and start hitting them in the house, too? No, but the father just immediately starts leering at her. So, you know, the sexualization of Ronica continues. Gross. I know. It is so uncomfortable. Even in the description for this movie, she is treated as a pure sex object. (laughs) And fun fact, she chose not to come back for the sequel. Huh, I wonder why. I know, right? Like, you you had good taste there. You're smart. <laughs> Poor Ronica. <laughs> I know. So she talks to him for a bit and eventually talks to him to let him go to the school, gives him some fake paperwork, yada, 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 et cetera, et cetera. It's, you know, your standard CIA stuff. Let's get past it because I don't really care. <laughs> Cut to Ronica is dropping Cody off at the school. Why is Cody getting in a ride with Ronica? And why did his parents just let that happen? I don't know. Because it's the dean of students, Sam. Right, of course. So this is a CIA van with the two computer jockeys inside and the soundproofing. So very very inconspicuous that they're just parking out in the parking lot of this prep school in plain sight of everybody. <laughs> like literally that little girl like walks up to them with her mother and like says some quip before walking off. And I'm like, do you guys know what clandestine means? Do you know what it means to be a, a secret agency? Like they do not understand how the spying works at all. Maybe it's hiding in plain sight. Yes. Okay. Sure. <laughs> just saying. Maybe it's so obvious that people don't notice it. All right. Let's go with it. I have no better ideas. <laughs> So Cody has a moment of self-doubt about what well, she doesn't like me, what well, if I can't do this, but Ronica assures him that he's very likable, which how would she know? She barely knows his kid. Say they barely talked. And this begins the almost instantaneous arc of Ronica suddenly liking Cody a little bit in the movie. Like she starts out like being put upon, but instantly at some point a switch flips and she's like, nope, I like this kid now. <laughs> But anyway, that compliment seems to do the trick and he walks into school with his ego raised. And so you get this wonderful, like, 10 things I hate about you scene where you're seeing him walking through the student body. The, the 2000s pop punk music is playing. It's, you know, oh, here are the jocks, here are this, here are that. It's very much like every teen comedy ever. The best scene from every teen comedy. Absolutely. So in chemistry class, Cody bumps into Natalie. What a coinkadink. Amazing. It's like he was put in there by the CIA or something. <laughs> 
he immediately gets the hots for her because Hillary Duff, sure, why not? <laughs> because that's what you do in early 2000s movies. Exactly. And before he has a chance to talk to her, he bumps into the stereotypical bullies. This is another set of bullies that are not the basketball bullies from earlier. <laughs> Who may or may not have been bullies. I, again, I, I'm clear about their whole situation. They definitely were sexual predators. <laughs> they, yes, that's true. At least budding sexual predators. <laughs> so one of them steals Cody's watch off his wrist for some reason. And Cody has this fantasy where he kicks their butts, like roundhouse kicks them and beats them up using CAA training, which is, again, why you don't give teen CAA training. No, but they might leave him alone if he beat them up. <laughs> <laughs> However, it's just a fantasy. He doesn't actually do that. Instead, he tricks them into pushing the button on the watch, which tases the kid. I was going to say, are they going to tase themselves? <laughs> Yeah, they tase themselves, and he gets the watch back, and that's all that really happens with that. Like, no one's like, why does this kid have a taser watch? What's up with that? Like, you just tased somebody. Is it, we're going to do something about this, but no. Are people watching this scene happen? It's in a classroom, oh. in the middle of a classroom, while the kids are all wandering around, like, they're waiting for the teacher to show up or something. Everyone's waiting for class to and start. And nobody's concerned that these kids tase themselves? No, it is uncommented upon. <laughs> I think of that school. Yeah, right? <laughs> So Cody goes up to Natalie and attempts to make conversation. He was given a dossier all about her likes, that she likes horses, she likes T.S. Eliot, she likes et cetera, et cetera. Of course she does. Yeah, of course. And so Cody starts making conversation about T.S. Eliot, but he describes T.S. Eliot as a woman's like, oh, I love her work. She's so good with all the imagery and the poetry. And Hilary Duff is like, she's a he. And then like walks away, total fail. (laughs) Tried so So hard. So strike one for (laughs) Cody Banks. You should have done more research prior to coming into this prep school. Or, you know, done any, like, this is what I don't get. Like, he apparently is a genius about nanobots, but as a complete dullard when it comes to everything else, like, he only has, like, intelligence. And I mean that in the sense of, like, information from sources when it's necessary for the plot. (laughs) Otherwise, doesn't know anything. Like, he's not good at math, apparently, even though he's apparently gifted. And they're credited for the CIA. Like, apparently, the CIA program recruits gifted children. Obviously, they want them to be smart and capable. But he's not good at math. He's not very good in school. He doesn't know who T.S. Eliot is, but he knows a lot about nanobots, Okay, well, then how did they establish that he was gifted in any way, shape, or form prior to sending him to camp? Uh, Unclear. (laughs) Like, the one scene they show of agents recruiting a different kid is, like, they approach him in a mini-mart. Sure, but, like... Like a 7-Eleven. And just say, hey, you look like you're smart. Come with us. The only way you would know that is, like, as a kid, is either you're monitoring all the children of the world, or they have really good scores in school or something like that. Yeah, yeah, no. It's crazy. I, this, this whole program is like they just took kids at random and gave them CAA training and then released them back into the public. This is a disaster <laughs> waiting to happen. So at driver's ed, Natalie is failing hard because the teacher is yelling at them and is very strict. But Cody, on his turn, he makes an excuse to bend down and like adjust the floor mat and he snips the wire using his laser pen. <laughs> but the brake pedal for like the driver's ed teacher side brake pedal, he like cuts the wire so it no longer works and then proceeds to go on this wild stunt driving <laughs> course. Like he goes up on two wheels, he does some quick turns, everyone's screaming, the 2000s pop punk music is playing very hard. He does all this to impress Natalie, but when she she gets out of the car. She's like, oh, God, I'm so nauseous. So strike two. Another reason why you can't give teenagers laser pens. <laughs> or stunt driving skills. <laughs> they got it summer camp. <laughs> oh, crazy. So later at the CAA gym, for some reason, they just cut to him at the CAA gym sparring with Ronica. And while they're sparring, they're having a debriefing. They're like talking about how the day went because apparently they do debriefings in casual settings in the gym. So during their off weeks from these summer camps, you know, during the rest of the year, are they supposed to keep up on their physical stuff like sparring? Probably not. Are we hoping that these 15-year-olds are going to the gym regularly? 
I mean, I'm clear. Like, he has a badge, so maybe he can, like, get into the CIA gym wherever he wants. But he did seem very surprised when Ronica approached him and said, hey, he's like, oh, it's finally time. I'm getting called up. So, I don't know. Just be curious. Unclear. Because if they're getting called up at any point in time, you think they'd have to keep in tip-top shape in the interim? You'd think. Again, the movie doesn't talk about that. <laughs> so, he's smart with Ronica, and he's lying about, oh, yeah, I'm super smooth. It went really well today. And, like, they're listening. They, they, they monitor everything you said, kid. Don't lie to her. <laughs> and she's like, time's running out, Cody. You need to get on this fast. But Cody says he's not able to balance his schoolwork. And then she's like, oh, I have too much homework. It's too much for me. I, and I have too many chores. I simply can't do the mission, which is befriend somebody <laughs> and all my schoolwork at the same time. It's again, maybe why you don't use children who have other responsibilities as your top secret spies for things that are of world saving importance. So they're monitoring him like 24-7 when he's at school, right? Yeah, they have like the van, like his handlers and the people in the in the van are always keeping a track of him now that he is activated. So no pressure or anything, knowing that everything you're saying to somebody is being monitored. And then, does it matter if he does well at school? It's a fake school assignment. Danielle, again... I agree, but maybe it's something like maybe they value these kids' education. Like, we know you're a spy, but we also want you to, like, keep up your education. Yes, but while he's on a mission, maybe, like, give him a pass. <laughs> well, so Ronica agrees that the agency will do his homework and his chores for him. <laughs> Which, again, is significantly more suspicious because what we see is a parade of vans, you know, super normal bug extermination company, whatever, and and cable company vans all roll up to his house. A bunch of agents pour out, all start mowing his lawn, doing the dishes, cleaning the house, doing the homework. Are his parents not home? Not this time. Okay. No. But every person who saw it, like, why are there suddenly four people in suits mowing this guy's lawn? (laughs) Yeah, you think some neighbor would, you know, well-meaning neighbor would be like, hey, did you guys buy, like, get a new lawn maintenance company? <laughs> right? So while they're doing this, Cody reviews some files on the computer about Dr. Brinkman and his henchman, Francois. I know you forgot about him already. I did forget about Francois, but more's the pity, because I'm sure he's coming up again. Oh, he will. He'll be a big part in the last part of the movie when the plot actually starts. Perfect. <laughs> Looking forward so to Cody's it. parents show up unexpectedly, and the CIA scrambles to get out in time. Everyone's like scrambling to get out, and they all leave. And they're like, "Oh, you've done such a good job cleaning the house. It's so nice." So crisis averted. Oh, good. Was worried for a minute. Yeah. So then Ronica calls Cody out to the van. And is like, "We did our part. Now you have to call Natalie and ask her out." <laughs> okay. You know, I just met you, but would you like to go out with me? Pretty much. And then there's also a fart joke where someone farts in the van because I guess it's a kids' movie. So, <laughs> but it feels beneath even this movie. Just saying. <laughs> There's a line, and this movie is above the fart joke line. It's it's below the sexual harassment line, but above the fart joke line. (laughs) Two different Uh, types of movies. (laughs) Yeah. In the Venn diagram of movies. So Cody goes back to his room and starts practicing talking to Natalie with a bunch of different like accents and voices while being monitored because duh. <laughs> Awkward. Yep. He then places the call but panics and hangs up and that's his only attempt. Like that's it. They, they see how he just says, like, all right, well, we, we tried. We're done. <laughs> like, did we get the right kid for this job? <laughs> So they cut back to the CIA headquarters and the director is like, we spent $10 million training him, but he didn't teach him to talk to a girl. I'm like, wait a minute. Hold up. $10 million per kid? (laughs) That's a lot of money. This program is awful. This is like pork up the wazoo. This is terrible. Is this like one of those things where each like Kleenex costs (laughs) $3,000? I can't imagine how putting kids in a summer camp for two years. And again, he's only had two years of training. Summer camp, so they can't be longer than yeah, a couple six months. Yeah. He has six months of total training basically <laughs> and th- somehow that cost 10 million dollars <laughs> i mean maybe he means for like all the kids is 10 million dollars but either way ludicrous well you don't know how many kids were trained uh it shows a lot <laughs> 
But again, he's a teenager. He's not going to be like super confident. Like that's not how teenagers are. <laughs> it's true. It's the most awkward phase for every human. Why do they expect him to be like, oh yeah, you got this person and we've never actually had experienced any situation that's social before. I'd be curious why they didn't use like a young agent pretending to be a high school student. Or any, like, yes, there are so many better if that, plans. If that, that was going to be the plan, if they stuck with this plan and just took Frankie Muniz out, it'd make more sense to put like a 19-year-old in there. It's sketchier, but at least they probably wouldn't be afraid to talk to the girl. The CIA in this movie is totally incompetent, which is exemplified by this next part, which is that apparently they learned Cody had bragged in his report that he had had lots of girls, totally successful women. He was just bragging. And he's like, oh, it's a summer camp. Everyone's just bragging. It's all boastful. And apparently the CIA never bothered to like verify any information they were told by this kid like you're just gonna take what some teenager tells you at face value you're the cia looking into things verifying information intelligence gathering that's your job do it so i want to know the conversation that happened during cia camp where he his response was like oh yeah i've had a ton of girls i'm a big hit with the ladies (laughs) what was the question sam (laughs) i think the implication is bragging to the other kids but then why is it in a report i don't know (laughs) Well, I assume all the kids are being monitored to see what their skill levels are by the time they leave camp. So the solution is to give them a crash course in women. And of course, it's every cliche you can imagine about well, of like... Of course it is. Yeah, it's all bad. It's all like, you gotta do this, you gotta do that. There's different people giving different advice. Some guys are really creepy. Some guys are more like, you gotta be nice to them. You gotta hold their doors, all that kind of stuff. But the most creepy part of it, at the very end, there is a hologram that someone projects of an adult woman in skimpy clothes who is supposed to be a training simulation except everyone in the room clearly has boners for the simulation. No. <laughs> yeah, everyone's just like gawking at her and she like goes up to Cody and she's like lying seductively on the table and he fails to talk to her and everyone's like, he even failed at talking to the simulation. I'm like, what is this? <laughs> this is not okay. Oh gosh, it's not even a teenager. It makes it 10 times creepier. He's 13. No, I'm talking about the, ha- the simulation. Oh no, the simulation is full-blown Yeah, adult. which is weird. Do a teenage simulation. It's fake. You can do whatever you want. <laughs> it's not okay. <laughs> and the fact that everyone in the room is aroused by this hologram is also not okay. But it's true to life. I mean, fair. <laughs> The movie was trying to be realistic, Sam. I guess. So apparently they don't pull the plug in the operation because the next day, Cody is back at school, still trying to get in with Hillary Duff. He sees Natalie hanging a poster and he knows that she's about to fall off the ladder. And so he does some ninja moves up to her and catches her just as she falls and then takes her to the nurse office where he holds the ice pack on her leg because it's time for that scene. Aw, gotta take care of her. Yep. They have a little bit of rapport until she mentions gymnastics and he goes, they didn't tell me you did gymnastics. And she's like, Wait a minute. Who? Who? <laughs> the worst spy ever. <laughs> Again, teenager with apparently very little training. And he's like, uh, uh, and starts panicking for a second. And so Ronica's like, uh oh, I gotta get in there. So she seeks into the school, but somehow, I, I don't know exactly what it is. Cody sort of just brushes off and moves on. And eventually, Natalie's like, you know what? You don't make a very good first impression and even a worse second impression, but your third impression's pretty good. And Cody's <laughs> like, well, you should see my fourth impression. It's like, I'd like that. Do you want to come to my birthday party? Well, it's easy. Yeah, I know, right? Apparently, it's a breeze. Problem solved. <laughs> well, no, just then Ronica enters as the nurse who she apparently replaced, and she's like, Hey, Natalie, he saved your life. You should really invite him to your birthday party. (laughs) Awkward. Which she already did. And so it's very awkward, but, you know, mission accomplished. So, yay. Would you wonder why the school nurse knows about your birthday party? She's like, oh, I saw your birthday's coming up in your file or something. (laughs) Whatever. (laughs) Creepy. It's all very weird. (laughs) 
Apparently, the birthday party is Las Vegas themed. Of course it is. You know, teenagers, Las Vegas, very common. It's supposed to be some homage to James Bond with gambling and roulette and blackjack. Like Casino Royale, sure. Yeah, but... Also, not reclusive to have a giant casino-themed party on your property. Like, how easy would it be just to sneak in a CIA agent as a croupier or something? Yeah, 100%. I'm, I'm, I'm on board with your side, Sam. So, on the way to the party, Ronica tells Cody there are probably heiress agents at the party. Because why? Why are the evil organizations sneaking out this children's birthday party? <laughs> Because apparently they don't have a problem getting into the property. It's just the CIA. Yeah, which is even worse. And so at the party, Cody drives up in the super fancy car and he's all like feeling very peacock about himself. And he has the x-ray spets and he starts ogling the like caterers, like the, the, the dressed up caterers who are bringing around hors d'oeuvres on dishes and looking through their dresses and seeing them in their underwear because of course he oh is. God. And so Veronica leans over and activates a parental control mode, which like pixelates the underwear. And he's like, oh, man. So what, they plan to use that for teenagers? I guess. Like the CIA, I hate it so much in this movie. Why does that? Okay. If you can make it so that it doesn't see through underwear to begin with, why would it just always never show you the underwear? One, especially the underwear always, because that would be the decent thing to do. I guess you wouldn't be able to see like the knife strapped to their body. I guess you could, if you can figure out the knife versus the underwear, you could highlight the knife well, you can make it work. I feel like there's some science they could have done for this. Well, I mean, even at like airports at the millimeter wave things, they just show you an outline in like a, a green square or red square if there's a problem. They don't show you a picture of your body because they tried that and people hated it and they immediately <laughs> changed it. Like this is a solved problem. <laughs> but not for Cody Banks. <laughs> but who knows? Anyway, I'm so glad that he is the hero, this skeevy teenager. <laughs> so Cody goes up to Natalie and he gives her a necklace as a gift, but it has a tracking device on it because of course it does. Well, you might need it for later. In fact, you will need it for later. Oh yeah, you figured that out, <laughs> did you? <laughs> There's no maybe about it. Chekhov's necklace. So then Cody goes off to play roulette and he plops down like 10,000 on red seven. And then Francois walks up and bets against Cody on black 13. And it seems like they're challenging each other, but roulette doesn't play like that. Like you're not playing against the other people at the roulette table when you're playing roulette. <laughs> That's true. Are, like is Eris aware that Cody Banks is involved in this? No, they just, Francois just like doesn't get the look of him or something. I don't know. <laughs> That makes it much weirder. It's so much weirder. <laughs> and so, of course, Cody wins because Red 7 comes up. But also, why is the henchman of the big evil dude just playing roulette at this children's party? Like, <laughs> mingling with the kids? He's like, nobody will notice I'm not a teenager. He has like a giant scar on his neck. He's super creepy. <laughs> and again, if he can walk into the party, it, it begs the question, why do they need Cody? It begs the question. <laughs> So again, Cody wins, but Francois just like takes his chips and walks away. Like, and Cody's like, it's just play money, dude. And doesn't give in. He's like, nope, I'm taking that money and leaving. I'm like, why is Francois making a big, like everyone in this movie is the worst at being subtle <laughs> or spies or blending in. Everyone just makes, draws attention to themselves so much. I don't know why a scene exists other than to make like an allusion to James Bond. And that's the extent of his game. They don't even play poker or whatever. That's it. Sure. Why not? So Cody wanders away and then spots Dr. Brinkman arriving on a hovercraft on the beach of this mansion grounds i don't know hovercraft a hovercraft on the seattle ocean <laughs> cool and he heads to an underground facility on the ground with dr connors that happens to be nearby their house it's on their property apparently secret underground lab on their house they're doing business the same night as this party where there's 12 zillion people at the house yeah and apparently the ca just couldn't get anyone in that party <laughs> 
<laughs> the choice. Like, let's do our evil business while there's a lot of people that could witness it. Uh, again, I've never been less interested in the stakes of this spy movie. <laughs> Because 90% of it so far has been high school shenanigans and almost no spy stuff. And at this point, I had to remind myself what the evil plot was. <laughs> and then I remembered, I don't know what the evil plot actually is. The evil plot is make nanobots that can destroy things, but to what end? Yeah, because you don't know what they're destroying yet. Right. Do you ever find out? Kind of. Like, it changes from scene to scene. <laughs> what? <laughs> like, they slowly dole out parts of this plan. Every part of the plan makes the plan seem like it's a different plan. <laughs> Gosh. It's like a plan within a plan. That's what we needed in our lives, Sam. I just had to say, I hate to draw examples to other spy movies, but like what makes a good spy movie, in my opinion, one of the things that's important is a very clear stakes about what the villain's plan mm -hmm. is. Like if you understand, oh, they want to use a giant laser to hold the world ransom by blowing up cities. I get that. That's a pretty straightforward villain plan. Or they want to, you know, do an arms deal or something, do some diamond smuggling. I don't know, whatever. <laughs> As long as the plan is like clear so you know what the spy is working against and how they're going to foil it, that's helpful. If you don't know what the plan for the evil people is, it's hard to really care that much about it. Like you don't know what, if what he's doing is going to solve the problem that's or not. That's true. If you don't know what the problem is, how do you know if they're solving anything? Right. So like, this movie has that problem. <laughs> So Cody breaks into the lab through the air ducts. He unplugs some cameras, yada, yada, yada. He overhears Dr. Connors and Dr. Brinkman talking about the evil plan. Apparently the nanobots, and, and they don't actually talk about what the plan is. They just talk about like, oh, are the nanobots ready? He's like, yes. And they're all frozen in ice cube because they need to be cold to be controlled. They're very sensitive to temperature. What? I guess. Why? That's a know. terrible idea. So he's frozen in large ice cubes. 40,000 nanobots per ice cube, which if they really are like nanoscale is not that many. <laughs> Like, I don't know if they're a molecular scale or they're much larger, but 40,000 per like giant ice cube is not that many. And so apparently if you be very careful because as they unfreeze, they start destroying things. Are you familiar with the classic like gray goo trope in science fiction? Me. Where there's like some nanorobots that are self-replicating and they eventually turn everything into themselves and it's like a gray goo takes over the world and destroys the world. Sure. Yeah. I got that sense that's what this plot was going. Like, oh, it's going to be some gray goo thing. It, it's not. I was wrong. <laughs> I, I had no I, I, I had no idea where they were going with this plan because it's ridiculous. You're like, what is the plan? Let me guess. I, I was trying. I was really trying to understand what was happening so I could have some investment in it. So Cody is filming all this and transmitting it back to his handles in the van. And Dr. Connors does a demonstration where they open up this glass container and they put in this weird metal disc and they put in the nanobots with this like device that heats up and melts the water so the nanobots are released into the chamber. And apparently Dr. Connors had programmed the nanobots to ignore the glass but eat the metal. So maybe they're not so dangerous. But then he says, if you stick your finger in there, the heat will confuse them and you'll lose it. Lose what? Your finger. Oh, why? <laughs> why? Why does the heat make the nanobots go haywire? And if that's all it takes, and they seem like they're pretty much not much of a threat if they're like at room temperature yeah, or above. like you put them outside <laughs> and you're screwed. <laughs> yeah. But apparently the big evil plan is that the nanobots will be used to destroy all the guidance systems in American missiles. Because the thing they put in the glass box was a Russian guidance system, which is very similar to the American ones. And the nanobots destroyed it. And once they destroy all the missile systems for American missiles, America will be defenseless. Question. How do they get them to all of the guidance systems. Drones? <laughs> we'll get to that. They have several different examples of how they plan to do that, and they're all dumb. <laughs> 
but also, also, because you're right, like, uh, not not to get too political, but America has a lot of missiles. <laughs> like, we have a lot of missiles. I mean, not even just nuclear missiles. We have a lot of all kinds of missiles. Some are on submarines. Some are in deep bunkers. They're all over the place. Some are in other countries. And also, if America was, like, got our missiles destroyed, like, I don't think we'd be defenseless. There are many other weapons we have because of reasons. And also, we have allies that also have, like, if this is supposed to be some weird, like, Cold War, mutually assured destruction, if we don't have the missiles, we can't prevent the Soviets from nuking mm-hmm. us. But then we have allies that also have nukes now. It's not, it doesn't make any sense. Yeah, it'd be very hard to pull off. <laughs> like, even if they succeeded in their plan, America would not be defenseless in any conceivable sense of the word. They'd be out a lot of money, but it would be defenseless. Maybe they didn't expect you to think that hard about it. <laughs> So that's the plan. Dr. Connors is like, no, I don't want to be part of this. The deal was, if you gave me the, I, I'll give you the technology, I get, but I get to control how it's programmed and what it's supposed to do. And Dr. was like, well, I don't care what you think. We're doing this. And I'm going to have those things marching like ants into all the facilities and destroying the weapons. So the plan is just like to have them released externally and then march into the facilities. What, they just go stand outside the buildings and they're like, fly, my minions, fly. That's my understanding at this point in the movie. <laughs> okay. So they leave, they activate a security grid so that Cody has to mission impossible his way down from the ceiling so that he can get a sample of the nanobots for some reason. Why does he need a sample? Because uh, his handler asks for it. That's all I know. Okay. <laughs> However, he slips the ice cube from one of the samples into his shoe, like there's a like secret compartment in his heel, and then the ice immediately starts to melt, destroying his shoe as they're not about to release, yeah, because apparently he wasn't paying attention to the fact that once they melt, they destroy everything. <laughs> I thought they destroyed, did he say metal? Apparently everything. His shoe gets destroyed. Okay, sure. I, I, don't, I don't know why. <laughs> Apparently, he put him to ignore glass and nothing else. As his shoe gets destroyed, he's like hanging from the ceiling by his shoes, like they're suction shoes. <laughs> So wait, 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 whoa, 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 whoa. These shoes have suction. They have secret compartments. Yep. They're spy shoes. (laughs) They could sound like, where is the room for all these shoes, stuff in the shoes? I don't know. He he also like repelled on a wire that was hidden inside an iPod, like a a 2003 iPod. (laughs) That was like his repelling wire, like the one they use in Mission Impossible, but it's in an iPod. So (laughs) the gadgets are done. Now they're just making stuff up. Oh, you think? (laughs) So the alarm goes off because he falls off the roof and Francois goes back in to check it out. But luckily... So Francois is not at the uh, Russian roulette table anymore. No, he left when he lost <laughs> and then stole his chips and walked he away. He decided not to play anymore with the high school students. Yeah, he took his chips and, and so left, his way. He just walked in, put all his money on the Russian roulette table, lost and walked out. <laughs> Taking his money with him. <laughs> yeah. Fake money. For no reason. He just was like, I want to play some roulette. If you want to play it against this kid specifically, (laughs) give him some dagger eyes. So Cody manages to escape before being discovered, and they blame the ducks on the alarm. So yay for Cody. Oh, good. So Cody goes to his car to change his shoes, and as he's leaving, the prep school bullies come up to him and are like, whoa, throw him in the pool. Wait, why are the prep school bullies at the party? Because everyone's at the party. It's like a huge party, and apparently they say I couldn't sneak into this huge party. (laughs) So apparently Hilary Duff doesn't have the wherewithal to be like, except for the bullies. The bullies are not invited to my party. She invited, it was the whole school is there, frankly, I'll okay. be honest. It's huge. It's a huge party. Well, if the it's whole ridiculous. school's coming, then in no way did he need to be invited to this party. He could have just shown up because he goes to the school. Yeah, she, I would never even seen her. <laughs> 
He could have just avoided her and been at the party. <laughs> it's bananas. The whole premise is and Dr. silly. And Dr. Connors is there. So all I have to do is make contact with Dr. Connors and like all they do is like kidnap him or exfiltrate him or something and you're done. This is ridiculous. But no, he, he messes around with Hillary Duff for a while instead. That's because it's Hillary Duff. Uh, no, no argument there. But as he's being dragged away by the school bullies, Cody snaps and then did all his karate moves and all his CA kicks and like kicks all their butts. And Natalie watches and is super into it. <laughs> But while he's doing this, everyone, of course, is watching him and taking photos. And Francois is like, I know those moves. That's CIA technique. What? Okay, whatever. Yeah. yeah, no. So Francois immediately identifies him as CIA. That teenager's definitely in a teenage CIA program. <laughs> they, they, they buy into it. And even better, Francois tells that to Dr. Brinkman. And Brinkman's like, hey, kids, that's a good idea. And he goes to like a cell phone and says, begin heiress child recruitment strategy immediately. <laughs> And I, I love him. He's like, that's a great idea. I'm going to do that. And it also makes you realize how sinister the whole child recruitment thing is when, when the evil guy says, like, oh, no, this is really, this is children soldiers. This is child soldiers, basically. <laughs> like, that's a bad idea, but it's okay if the CIA does it. <laughs> I know. It's great. So anyway, I love Dr. Brinkman. He's great. So we cut back to the CIA and we see that Cody is on the cover of the school newspaper. It's cover, totally blown. He's off the case. Turn in your badge. You're no longer part what of this. What does the cover say? Like, boy CIA agent? I don't know. It's I, it just, I didn't even read the headline. I'll he be honest. You could just say, you know, I have martial art background. Well, uh, yeah. Uh, they didn't even know that Francois compromised him, but apparently he was compromised. Okay, whatever. They tell him he'll spend two more weeks at the prep school, but to stay away from Natalie. Why is he at the a, prep school at all? That's it. I mean, why do you still go to the prep school? B, stay away from her. He's in all her classes. That's what you were <laughs> <laughs> Why? Why to all of this? The entire point was to be with her at all times. <laughs> so Cody complains about this as like, hey, this is my life. I've been I've been trained for two years. I was created at 13 to be this. And Monica goes, and now you're old enough to know the rules. I'm like, he's 15. <laughs> what are you talking about? He said we recruited you when you were too young to know the rules, but now that you're 15. <laughs> yeah, no, it's so, so dumb. So then we cut to the Aris Thermo Lab in some mountain. I don't know why it's a thermo lab. And Dr. Connors is refusing to use his robots for evil. He's like, I'm not going to do it. You can't make me. So Dr. Brinkman tells Francois to go use Connors' daughter as leverage. Dun, dun, dun. It's a thermo lab. What, what, this therm- what is a thermo lab, Sam? No idea. I think it's supposed to be about like the nanobots need to be cold. Right. And that's it. That's all I got. So it's a cold lab, not a hot lab. It's a lab that can make things cold. It's a lab that has the ability to make... It's a lab with a freezer. That's what it is. <laughs> it's a freezer lab. It's like every lab ever has a freezer. I mean, we have lots of freezers in labs. It's not that hard. <laughs> so they have a special lab for it. Apparently, they built this giant mountain facility for these nanobots that need to be kept cold, even though they didn't know they need to be kept cold or whatever. <laughs> Sorry, I just got sidetracked by the idea of a thermal lab. Yeah, thermal lab. It's crazy. So now we cut to Natalie showing up at Cody's house. Why? She's still really into him. She's showing up at his house because she's into him? Yeah. <laughs> okay. His family is shocked to see Cody talking to a girl. <laughs> it's not a supportive family. He no, has. they sound terrible. <laughs> not great. So he's still being monitored by the CIA, so he sneaks out with Natalie to a diner and they get some ice cream. And he's about to confess to being a CIA agent, which again what? is why you don't make kids a CIA agent. <laughs> why would you tell her? Why bother? He's like, Natalie, there's something I have to tell you. But just as he's about to do that, Francois shows up as a waiter. <gasps> oh, no. Okay, you know what the CIA needs? Francois. <laughs> yeah, Francois is the best. <laughs> Apparently, he can get in everywhere they can't. <laughs> And he just knows all their techniques. So immediately, Cody starts trying to kick Francois's butt. And uh, but a bunch of more people show up and they drag away Natalie while Cody is fighting Francois. And then Cody gets his butt kicked and they take Natalie away and they knock him out. And then they kind of just leave Cody passed out in this diner kitchen what? after this big fight and don't even bother to like, I don't know, 
kill him or take him with them because they know he's a CIA agent. They just leave him there because he's recovered by Ronica and the two guys in the van. And he wakes up in the van and she's like, oh, you okay, Cody? Like, yeah, I guess I'm okay. But they got Natalie. And I'm like, why are you still alive? I mean, I'm not for child murder, to be clear. <laughs> but also, they're evil kidnap him or something. You know he's an agent. He just fought you for like two Wouldn't minutes. Wouldn't they want to know more about why the CIA is involved in all of this? Yeah. You think they might want to interrogate him or something, but not just leave him pass out. Francois, I'm disappointed. I thought better of you. <laughs> yeah, it's a terrible evil guy plan. So Ronica reiterates that even though he's concerned about Natalie to stay out of it, he's out of the job. It's not his worry anymore. The CIA will get her back how they're idiots, but he should just go about his normal life. And they just let him go. He's like, okay, go about your normal life. It's no longer your concern. And so no adult in this world makes good decisions. He is clearly not going to stay out of this. They don't have anybody like watching him to make sure he stays home. I mean, like Ronica was supposed to be doing that, but what a bang up job they did before. So they, they're sending him home. And so he gets home very late, all beat up, and his mom grounds him. She's not concerned that he's beat up. Well, she, he says like, oh, it was bullies or something. And, yada, yada, yada. and he gets grounded. He gets grounded for staying out so late without telling them and sneaking Even out. Even though he got bullied? Yep. That seems rough. <laughs> <laughs> well, he goes to his room and he finds his brother messing with all his spy stuff, which again, why you don't give spy stuff to a kid. <laughs> and that's when Cody realizes he can track Natalie to the Cascade Mountains on his magic spy phone because he gave her that necklace. So there is no agent like outside of his house making sure he doesn't leave his house. No. And apparently they just let him keep all his spy equipment. Why too. would you send anybody home, let alone a child, and be like, okay, you're off the case. You can't be involved with this anymore and then just leave them alone and assume they're going to follow the instructions. With all their secret classified equipment from the CIA. Yeah, it's bananas. It's bananas. So what, what he does is Cody bribes his brother, give him the thousand dollars to let him sneak out again, basically. <laughs> Good thing he had that money. Yeah. And he leaves all the spy stuff for his brother to play with. Which again, no. <laughs> all right, don't kill anybody. Yeah, pretty much. So Cody sneaks back into the CIA facility because like, he tried to call him to, hey, I have a way to track Natalie. Like, no, we're not talking to you anymore. So he just sneaks in the CIA facility. He steals a super fancy spy car and goes out to rescue so Natalie. So he tries to tell the CIA? Yeah, he tries to like call them and he just gets a run around from the operator. They're so stupid. Yes! <laughs> Like, if they just took the call, like, hey, yeah, you have a tracking device on her. Why did nobody think to use her tracking device? There's, huh. Why is nobody tracking him? Like, there's just too many. The CIA, I'm really worried about our national security, Sam. Thank you. You understand, like, how every, like, how we learn more and more about this plan and this world. Like, every step of the way, like, okay, the CIA is being a little goofy, but it's a kid's movie. No, they're straight up incompetent. (laughs) Like, every time I learn something more, it's like, oh, this is another way they failed as a spy agent. This is like the kind of thing at the end of this when you had to report and they, like, backtracked on how all these things happened. You'd be like, okay, we need to retrain literally the entire staff. Yeah, clean sweep. (laughs) This is unsalvageable. (laughs) So the director comes in later and is like, oh no, and is mad that Banks stole his stuff. Because obviously, it's a secret CIA facility. How did a kid break in and steal all the CIA equipment? (laughs) And so he sends Ronica out to retrieve him. Cody, however, is using a rocket-powered snowboard to go down a mountain for a reason. I don't know why. Apparently, he's trying to get to the secret facility from the top of the mountain and to snowboard. So he stole that? Yeah, he stole everything. He stole the car. He stole the snowboard. Just in case he needed to go down a giant hill? Apparently so. (laughs) And this whole thing is shot like an X Games video. Uh Like X Games, like highlight reel. He's doing flips and he's like got the music playing. And it lasts about 10 seconds before it immediately stops and he comes into a fence and then glazes his way into the secret facility grounds. And I thought it was like, it was the most 2000s thing I've ever seen. (laughs) Say that was very 2000s. It was great. He, however, is spotted by some snowmobiling villain guards. Because, of course, he does. And a very predictable chase occurs with him snowboarding and them on snowmobiles. 
and it's not very exciting. Those darn snowmobile guards. So after he escapes, he winds up up in a tree. Like he gets stuck in a tree on a snowboard. And then Ronica shows up in a goofy looking personal helicopter jetpack thing, which is actually a real piece of technology. I looked this up in the Wikipedia page and it is called the Solo Trek XFV. And I highly recommend looking up what this thing is because it looks goofy as heck. <laughs> So that's a fun one for you. So she shows up and is like, let me help you out. He's like, I don't need your help. How'd you find me? She's like, you don't think we have ways of tracking all our equipment, Cody, for the CIA? <laughs> I'm like, everyone in this movie is dumb. How did she get, how did he get up in the tree? It is just snowboarding. He like went off a little ledge and like got caught oh, in the tree. Okay, sure. Yeah. Uh, it doesn't matter. <laughs> well, it does when you're on a snowboard and then you're in a tree. <laughs> 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 like, they usually get stuck in the street on the snowboard. Not the point. So, Ronka shows up in her goofy little thing and is like, I want to help you. I'm here to break orders and rescue Natalie with you. I'm like, wow, Ronka really made a turnaround real quick by the book's agent to just abandoning her orders of her direct superior. Is this how she gets fired? Probably. And so, they find a way to sneak into this Eris facility and it looks amazing. It's much nicer than the CIA facility. Like, Eris is the real heroes of this. They have a beautiful lab, which they apparently built immediately upon learning they needed a thermo lab. Evil pays pretty well. Well, Sam. Yeah, I know. So good for them. So then Cody has a realization that they plan to distribute the nanobots via the ice cubes. Like literally as ice cubes, like they sneak him into the ice cube supply chain for these bases, government facilities. And there is a scene at the very beginning of the movie where the director is like taking the ice out of this water. Like, I said no ice. And I'm like, is that supposed to be an allusion to this plan about using yes. ice cubes like sneak into their water? And how's it going to get into the missiles then? I, I, I don't know what's going on. It's all crazy. So the delivery method went from ants marching to ice cubes. <laughs> now... Ice cube supply chain. Well, attack. maybe it's once the ice melts, then they march on the missiles. Yeah, sure, but again, every time I learn a new detail about this plan, the dumber I think it is. <laughs> And Natalie's being held prisoner in a geodesic dome in the middle of a room, because sure. And Cody breaks into it, but Natalie refuses to leave until he explains what's going on. She's like, I'm on the CIA. She's like, well, yeah, right. Like, you're part of the CIA. What's really going on? And of course, they're immediately spotted because there's a camera in the dome that sees him break into mm -hmm. it. She doesn't think it's weird that he just randomly showed up in the middle of nowhere. Oh, she's very weird. That's why she's like, I want to know what's going on before I leave with you. Well, I'm like, maybe leave first leave from first. being kidnapped. Why and, would you? Yeah. Like, even if he's yeah. another bad guy, you're already in a bad situation. Right. And he says, like, CIA, like, all right, well, might as well go with it. Well, it can't get any weirder. <laughs> That's dumb. Come on, Hillary Duff. It's be so better. Dumb. So Cody spills the beans, tells Natalie everything. is a part of a secret youth CIA recruitment program, blah, blah, blah. And Natalie's all, like, angry and put it like, you just used me to get my father? That's what this was about? I really liked you, Cody. I'm like, this is not the time for this. <laughs> It's always the time for a breakdown of your relationship, Sam. But then Cody's like, at first it was just a job, but then I got too involved. I got too close. That's why they took me off the case. I'm like, oh, gosh. <laughs> That's not why they took him off the case, though. No, they took him off the case because he blew his cover. <laughs> so then Veronica pops in like, hey, we should go. Oh, wait. Evil guys show up. We're all captured. <laughs> Maybe if she hadn't had a breakdown of their relationship and questioned his CIA motive. Oh, it's so dumb. So they're dragging away all of them. Cody manages to escape, but Veronica and Natalie don't. And Cody has a really fun, obviously fake gymnastics. Like it's clearly a stunt double doing gymnastics and they look amazing. It's great. And so he escapes. But the two girls aren't. And they take Veronica and Natalie to Dr. Brinkman, who is by far, again, the best character. He's super sassy. As an example, Natalie demands, where's my dad? And he just waves his finger at her sassily and says, I'm not going to tell you. <laughs> and that's it. I'm like, you go, dude. No monologuing from you. <laughs> 
But then Dr. Brinkman just brings in Dr. Connors and is like, threatens to have the nanobots kill Natalie. She takes like an ice cube and holds it up to her forehead and says, <laughs> if you don't reprogram those nanobots to this remote control so I can control them remotely, these are going to melt and they're going to kill your daughter, like burrow into her <laughs> head. Like eat through her brain. <laughs> It's basically it. So it's like, wait for an ice cube to melt on her head. And if you don't, give me the remote control power of the nanobots are going to kill Which her. Which is scary because there's nanobots in the ice cube, but in actual practice, it's just you holding an ice cube up to somebody's head. <laughs> yeah, no, it looks goofy as heck. It's so funny. I love it. Like little droplets are watching. Like, you do like a close-up of the droplets running down her face like it's super dramatic, but it just looks goofy. <laughs> Cody then stands up and is like, if you don't release her, I'll blow this whole place up. And Dr. Brinkman's like, mm, no. <laughs> and that's it. He just says that. And, I love it. and so Cody's like, all right, and blows the whole place up. Like he pushes the detonator and then bombs. He apparently planted the last 10 seconds to start what? going off Where all did he the get bombs from? I don't know. Man. Well, he just stole them from the CIA, maybe. They're like out of it in his backpack. Where did they come from? I don't know. <laughs> I, well, when did he plant them all around the facility? Because they go off for like 10 minutes. There are a lot of bombs. So in the mayhem, Ronica is fighting. Francois, but then Natalie manages to escape from Dr. Brinkman. She grabs the nanobot ice cube and shoves it into his mouth and he like accidentally swallows oh it. Which is ins- <laughs> which is insane because it's like bigger than your windpipe. There's no way he could swallow that thing in one go. Terrible death. Oh, it's gonna be so gruesome. It's it's, it's uh, I'll get to it. She just killed a man. Yep. And so eventually Brinkman falls down and he's eaten alive from the inside out by the oh, nanobots. No. And it's very graphic. It's like the wrong grail scene from The Last Crusade. Uh-huh. Like he slowly withers and turns into like a skeleton. And ugh. I was thinking of uh, the mummy where the scarab like gets under the skin and then. Oh, oh you don't see that. No, he just, <laughs> no he just but that's like in my head. I was like, that's what it would be like, but with more nanobots. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Cody then kicks Francois off a ledge into an explosion that kills him. So the teens have a growing body count now. <laughs> it's intense. Who knew this was going to end with teen murders? <laughs> right. And they all make a run for it. Cody and Natalie get separated from Dr. Connors and Ronica, who manage to get to a, the helicopter. But Natalie and Cody are separated, so they grab some of the snowmobiles and like drive the snowmobiles through the exploding facility to try to get to the helicopter. <laughs> and they do. So easy peasy. And the nanobrot... Containment breach. Nanobots. <laughs> nanobots. Nanobot containment breach. Nanobots loose. I like the idea of nanobots. <laughs> I mean, those, are, those are basically pigs in a blanket, right? It's <laughs> like tiny little bratwurst. <laughs> Delicious. <laughs> they would be really good tiny. Has anybody made tiny little bratwurst? Because they should. That's our that's our new product. I'm telling new you. New from Book Retorts. Nanobrots. <laughs> <laughs> you could not tell me you would not try those. <laughs> oh, Danielle, I cannot tell you I would because I absolutely would. I'm, I am 100% on board for this. If I saw that in a store, I'd be like, sold! <laughs> All right, so good thing we're recording this so we have first rights. Everyone out there, copyright, trademark, whatever, we got this. <laughs> Nanobots are brilliant. You're welcome. <laughs> Sorry, they were snowmobiling through a facility. Oh, no, that just happened like 10 seconds, so they get to the helicopter pad. And the nanobots are like eating the facility because the containment was breached. Are you sure they're not going to eat the entire world? Uh, I, I, it doesn't they happen. They eat the earth? It doesn't happen. Nope. So they're also programmed not to eat dirt. I, guess, I don't know. Nothing. I don't know what happens. And they'll, they just, maybe they'll get exploded when the facility explodes. So they all get in the helicopter, but oh no, the hangar doors won't open because, you know, everything's exploding. So Cody heads back in the facility to find a way to open the doors. He grabs some nanobot cubes and he hucks them at the hangar doors. Okay. 
and the nanobots apparently just sort of spill out of the ice cube and start dissolving the doors. So yay! That's convenient. But oh no, the helicopter pad was destroyed too, and so they can't land to pick him up. And so he tells Ronica, just leave and go! And it plays a very noble, sad sacrifice. They can't land? Like, there's no Earth? Like, apparently everything's being destroyed by the nanobots. If they land, they'll be eaten. There's not, like, they could land, you know, 100 feet away where there are no nanobots? That's outside the facility. So, can they just run outside the facility? No, the it's like the door is up high and he's down oh, low. okay. So you can't get out of the facility without the helicopter. So anyway, it's all very sad for about four seconds. And then Cody just finds the jetpack thing and escapes. <laughs> he comes out the door and just like gets the jetpack thing. Is it the thing. same one that What's-Her-Face had on earlier? Yeah, the one they parked there earlier when they broke oh, in. Oh, it's convenient. I know. But then, surprise, Francois isn't dead. Oh. And he attacks Cody. Amazing. They have a little fight, but then Cody straps Francois into the jetpack thing and sets the autopilot for CIA headquarters <laughs> in Seattle, apparently. That's cute. And off Francois goes to be delivered to the CIA by this ridiculous jetpack thing. <laughs> and apparently he can't just, I don't know, turn around and take control of the thing himself. No. Once it's set, Sam, you can't change where it's going. But then Cody is left without a way to escape. Oh, but luckily the helicopter is there. So he jumps and catches the helicopter, climbs in, and they all fly off. Into the sunset. Yeah. Do they live happily ever after? No, but it's a very obviously a green scheme they're flying off into. <laughs> Back at the CIA, Cody has been reinstated and Francois is captured. And he and Ronica receive a standing ovation. Even the director gives him a, well done, You Cody. think Ronica would be fired for not following any of her superior's orders? Maybe that's why she's not in the second movie. <laughs> the director says to Cody, you've done a great service to your country. Is there anything we can do? Just let me know. And he goes, of course, there is one thing. And we cut to Natalie, who now has her driver's license. So it was one request of the CIA was to get Natalie her driver's license because she's a terrible driver and it's not safe, <laughs> but they give it to her anyway. <laughs> Well, you know what? There's a lot of really bad drivers on the road, Sam. What's one more? There are. Natalie's another one of them. <laughs> yep. And so they drive off and they park on the beach and they start getting close. And then his phone rings. A hologram of Ronica pops up like, Cody, we need you. And he's like, not now. And he hangs up and starts making out with Natalie. Credits roll. not how any of that works. And again, this is another reason not to hire teenagers. <laughs> who's just going to blow you off for a little nookie. Also, they seem deeply unconcerned that they murdered some people. They don't need some therapy. Just some PTSD. Like... <laughs> Cody, train agent, sure. Natalie is a civilian who was not prepared for just straight up murder. <laughs> no remorse. I'm actually quite worried about these two teenagers. They might be sociopaths. Yeah, maybe that's their recruitment program. <laughs> they, they try to find sociopaths. That seems like it'd be easier to find than uh, kids that don't do well in school that are somehow geniuses and they figure that out. Yeah, I don't know, man. That's Asian Cody Banks. <laughs> the CIA is dumb. The plan with the evil village is dumb. And uh, I had a lot of fun. <laughs> it was great. I can't believe how that stupid plan somehow got more stupid throughout the rest of the movie like right you're like okay child uh spies okay they're gonna contrive some way to make them meet a child okay the school thing not the best but fine but wait they could have just walked into this party <laughs> it, like this it's like what just because progressively dumber that that was the plan that they originally started with that's my favorite part <laughs> is that every time i learned something new about the plan as i said I'm like both plans both the nanobot plan and the same plan like every time you learn something new about the plan you're like wait a minute that just makes the plan dumber <laughs> Like, it doesn't explain it. It doesn't make it make... No, it's dumber. Ugh. Any final questions, Danielle, about Asian Cody no, Banks? I re- how, do you, how does it compare to James Bond? Uh, you know, it's on par with some of the James Bond <laughs> movies. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Fair. It's fair. I think there's a lot of, like, winks and nods to James Bond in the movie. I give it, like, props for style. And the, and the actors are fun. Like, there's a lot of fun actors in this movie, so... Yeah, it sounds like a winner. If I was, like, 12, it'd, I'd, be, I'd be into it. I'd definitely have watched this as a 12-year-old and be like, oh, yeah, that was awesome. <laughs> 
Cody Banks is awesome. Cody Banks, worst spy in the worst agency. I don't know if he's the worst spy, but like least secret spy ever. <laughs> uh, I still can't believe the CIA had this plan and somebody greenlit it. It's just, I can't, I can't. I would have accepted he was some special wunderkind that they, you know, as a one-off or something. Right. Or he was like the son of some spy parents, like spy kids. <laughs> but Born into spydom. Yeah. Uh, like, like spy kids, right. the movie. Good movie. <laughs> it's basically, it's, it's very it similar. It is very similar. But somehow, the whole explanation of a CIA recruitment program for youth agents, that's a bridge too far for me. <laughs> I, can't, I can't handle it. I don't know. Listeners, if any of you are CIA operatives, youth operatives. <laughs> probably don't tell us. Be better than Cody Banks. <laughs> If you're just a regular CIA operative, contact us under a pseudonym. We'd love to hear about your experience in the CIA and if this would be a program you could see happening in the CIA today. Yes, we would love to know that. We will completely <laughs> keep that confidential. No, we're putting it on the podcast. You keep, we want to bring you on for an interview. <laughs> Clearly, the CIA doesn't care about being secretive. We can see what they did with this, right? I mean, we're, it's okay. It doesn't matter if everyone knows. We'll mask your voice. Yeah, we'll do like, like they do in, in, in those like movies about like drug kingpins and stuff. Oh, this is a secret person. I don't want to tell anybody about him. <laughs> Perfect. I think like we said so much about this movie. I have nothing else. Like I got all of my complaints during the movie because they were just pouring out. Yeah, of me. I feel like I asked all of my questions as it was happening. It's hard not to because they're so ridiculous. You just have to get them out right away. <laughs> Well, I hope you all enjoyed Mujin Cody Banks as much as I did. If you have fond memories of the movie as a kid, I hope they hold up. Thank you for sticking through that very long discussion of Asian Cody Banks. There was a lot more of that than I expected. A surprisingly long discussion on Cody Banks. <laughs> really? I'm just impressed by us, Danielle. Good job, us. <laughs> it proves we can talk about anything for any length of time. <laughs> Yes, but will anybody listen to us talking is the real question. Well, I did. Oh, well, thank you, Danielle. I appreciate you being here to support me in my time. Anytime, Sam. Anytime. Well, to all our listeners who may still be listening, if you want to reach out to us and express any opinions on Agent Cody Banks or the CIA, <laughs> uh, CIA in the movie Agent Cody Banks, let's keep the real CIA <laughs> out of this. I don't want to get in trouble. Sam. Yeah. You can find us at bookretorts.com. Or you can Facebook, tweet us, Instagram us at bookretorts. And until next time, bye. Take care, everybody. you to have a long one it's usually me who knew it would have been secret agent cody banks just agent cody banks whatever please. he's not secret anyway <laughs> the not so secret agent cody banks <laughs> <laughs> the original title for the film <laughs> <laughs>